Hello and welcome to Lore Watch, a roundtable freeform discussion about lore and our favorite media. I'm your host, Joe Perez, one of several lore-focused folks from Blizzard Watch, and I've got my stalwart survivor companion with me, Matt Rossi. How are you doing today, Matt? Uh, sorry, I got a text, so I was like, ah, panic time. No, I'm, I'm good now. Well, what is not startling is the fact that we are going to be answering questions from you, our wonderful listeners. So, it's spiel time. If you have questions for this or any of our podcasts, be sure to send those into podcast at blizzardwatch.com. Singular podcast. Uh, specify the show that it is for in the subject line. And when you ask us your question or provide us a topic to cover, make sure you add any special pronunciations of your name so that I don't butcher them because I will. Bright Razorberg, I mean, bug. If you don't want to send us an email, you can go ahead and hit us up on our Discord server. Uh, we have two channels set aside, one for everybody, which is our patron, or it's our Q&A podcast questions channel, and then one set aside specifically for our patrons as a way of saying thank you for your continued support with us keeping the lights on and allowing us to continue to do the show, which is our patron Q&A podcast questions channel. The same rules apply, though. Specify the show that it is for and any special pronunciations of your names. So we're going to get started with one from... Octomos. Gilneas is getting reclaimed, so naturally, it's time to talk about gnomes. I'm curious, though. Do you think gnomes are still trying to reclaim Gnomergon after the time skip? And bonus question, do you think player opinion of gnomes or other races determines whether or not they get a prominent place in the spotlight and lore? Uh, they kind of got a decent, not maybe their own spotlight, but they got a bit of a spotlight in Battle for Azeroth. We got to learn quite a bit about them and Mechacon and where they came from and sort of gnome society before they showed up and were in on uh, Gnomergon. So there is definitely something there. I mean, the whole thing with uh, Geblin, Me Geblin Mechatork, I always want to call him Mechatruck, but he's not a Mechatruck. He's a Mecha Gnome. Uh, everything that happened with him, him becoming sort of the high king of the gnomes, all of that was rather recent like it that was just two expansions ago but yeah and it actually took place during most of battle for azeroth i mean it was like he got injured during the bat the uh attack Zara right? Lore, yeah and then he was out for a while and then he got woken up by the mechanomes and sort of basically found himself in charge of the mechanomes well he was what? saved by them don't forget yeah yeah they woke him up well he got him it, out of this ice box yeah, he was in an icebox. He was going to die. They basically, he's got like a mecha suit almost attached to his torso that keeps him alive, which is kind of rad. He's almost like a 40K uh, character at this point. <laughs> but as far as like them getting the spotlight based off of player opinion of gnomes, I think gnomes are rather generally liked by most players. And I think maybe revisiting them isn't out of the question, especially if we're going into the deep places. But let's talk about the idea of reclaiming Nomergon. So they have Mechagon, and Mechagon's a pretty big, sprawling city, right, Matt? Yes. <laughs> Sorry, I, I didn't have anything else. I was like, yes, that's true. I feel like you're your Ed McMahon tonight. Oh, really, Johnny? Go ahead. Wow, I'm <laughs> dating myself hardcore. I feel like Ed who? Guy used to give people money, okay? He used to just do a sweepstakes. Never mind. Just I'm forget not gonna, it. I I'm, I'm not going to become the amazing Kreskin. We're fine. Uh, yeah, so it's, I mean, so let's talk about Mechagon City, right? It's an old gnomish city. It's on Mechagon Island, uh, which is, you know, basically its own little body out just offside. I forgot what, what's the major section that it's just off of. I, I know it's off, of course, the Cult Terrace. I think it's to the north of it. But yeah, I think, sure. I think I that's right. Exactly. I don't know what zone would be closest. Yeah. And you make your way in and it almost opens up like sort of a vault from Fallout where you go in through a junkyard. There's this giant geared door that you go into, and then you get sucked into the Robodrome, uh, where you have to fight for your life before you're making your way back into the uh, the rest of the city proper. There is a teleporter there that I think now lets you go in from uh, Rustbolt, but they do have teleporters. We know that they have teleport technology that is almost on par with the Titans. It's definitely reclaimed technology, but they can set those up anywhere. And after the events of everything, Mechagon City, which is sort of like the high sort of tinkery place of the gnomes now uh, is sort of like the central location for most gnome plans. They might start reclaiming territory though. Um, there is a possibility that they could go back to Normorgon and get their stuff. I'm saying that with a question mark because there's a lot of stuff that happened down there. A lot of experimentations, a lot of 
uh, workshop stuff that has been sort of lost for a while now. And I think we tried at one point, and correct me if I'm wrong, wasn't there a big event with us yeah, trying to go the, back and reclaiming it? Yeah, the same time that the uh, trolls had their reclaiming of the, uh, I can't remember the name of those aisles that the trolls reclaimed, but you know the ones I'm talking about. Uh, with, at that same time that that was going on, uh, the, the gnomes made a push into Nomergon, and um, it was because of a sicko thermoplug that they didn't finish the job of reclaiming uh, the, the the city at that time because he basically irradiated everything, like the entirety of all of Mechagon that we. I'm not. I'm saying Mechagon now. All of Nomergon that we go into in the dungeon, as opposed to the stuff that's reclaimed as a kind of gnome starting zone, uh, all of that stuff was heavily irradiated. And there was a ton of trogs all over it. The trogs were, in fact, unleashed by Sicko, uh, he as part of his plan to get rid of 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 Gelbin and become the High Tinker. Um, he he had essentially hoped to release them in a targeted way and then take care of them himself. And by doing that, he would be you know he would be so respected and honored that they would make him High Tinker. That was kind of his crazy plan. It didn't work out, um, but in the process of attempting to fight the Trogs back up, back out, uh, the city got irradiated. And then, when we made our attempt to reclaim Nomergon, he made it worse. Like he actually unleashed even more uh, radiation into the area. I think that's why they didn't go. They didn't push any further down because at this point, if you are a biological life form, it's extremely dangerous. One of the reasons you get so many leper gnomes in the area is because they have been exposed to that radiation and it is killing them um, as well as driving them insane. Uh, a lot of them are completely incapable of, of being reasonable about anything. Uh, I'm trying to remember exactly when that was. That was like, that's a long time ago. But the interesting uh, I want to say it's, it's just before cataclysm. I think. Yeah. I think it was just before cataclysm. It was either just before or during cata. Um, the interesting thing you said there is biologically push biologicals pushing into Normorgon, get sick, go crazy and or die and possibly all of them. Uh, Mecha gnomes are sort of in between. They're definitely hardier stock now. And with King Geblin or Gelbin, I'm going to say yeah, this I, right. I call Geblin all the time, too. I hate it. Yeah, it, I, I just, can't get it out of my head. I keep thinking Geblin because of Goblin. Um not be that I think goblins are gnomes. I hear I can already hear somebody screaming in the comments somewhere. Um, I mean, one thing to point out: the Annihilatron that Mechagon, King Mechagon was going to use, mm-hmm. that was possibly related to whatever Ther- Sicko found that allowed him to basically turn Nomergon into a radioactive heckhole <laughs> in the first place. So it's possible that they have the technology to cleanse it. Well, the interesting thing about that too is they might have access to more technology than we even seen. Because one of the things about Mechagon City is that it's rumored that it might have been one of Mimron's lost forges. It might have been one of his areas that his workshop that that you know he doesn't remember, or he's too busy being in the north doing stuff up there. Well, plus there's that whole idea of you know King Mechagon himself used to be like he was from Nomergon, yeah, and he went looking for this legendary gnome city that might you know, and when he found it. Uh, he basically, you know, turned, you know, kind of nuts. I mean, you've seen what he does to his own people. Um, and it's not the first time we saw somebody turn into a mecha gnome either. No, there's Gear Masters. Uh, you know, we've, we've talked about that before. Um, mm-hmm. But the thing is, is that it's very clear that unlike Gear Masters, the Gear Masters on and all those other ones, he doesn't have the ability. He Mechagon did not have the ability to just turn the curse of flesh off. <laughs> Like he, he's trying, he was attempting to do it by brute force. The mechanomes are getting stuff removed and mm-hmm. new stuff added onto them. It's not the same process. So yeah, it is weird to think about all this stuff, but it is, it's a legendary city. Well, I, mean, I mean, it is exactly kind of what happened to Gearmaster Mechazod because Me- King, King uh, Gearmaster Mechazod uh, was rebuilt from by the gnomes from Titan parts found around yes. uh, no, the airship, he was, right? He wasn't, those were his parts. Those were always his parts. He never went through the curse. He never turned flesh. He was always a mecha gnome. Oh, so that's, that's, that's right. It's been a while, folks. Yeah, but he, he has the ability to retrovert it away. The same ability that we see uh, Deathwing using in Cataclysm. 
uh, Mecha, you know, Gear Master, you know, Gear, not Gear, yeah, no, yeah, Gear Master Mizad, he has the ability to effectively just uncurse a flesh you. And he was using it on gnomes against their will. So he had that ability that obviously Mechagon didn't have because Mechagon was a regular old gnome who went to Mecha, you know, Mechagon City, found it, and and tried to use that technology there to change gnomes into effectively of mechanical beings again. But it's just it's interesting to me that he seems to have had a completely different approach to it possibly because he didn't understand the stuff that's there. Uh, it, and it's, it's a weird city. Um, you know, with, with Prince of Razman having ceded control of Mechagon, you know, and I'm, I'm literally reading from the wiki. I'm sorry, guys. I, I don't usually do that, but it just happened to be open for a completely different reason, but I mean, whatever. Uh, I was actually looking up Mecha, Mechatork today. Uh, and I was thinking about it in terms of Mechatork. I, I, I find myself wondering if it's one of the law, if they consider Mechagon one of the lost Titan cities. I, yeah. I don't I, know if it is. And, and, and that's might, maybe it's, I don't know because we don't know which one Aldaz is. We know old Doris is the one that uh tier was, mm-hmm. was living in. Yep. But Mechagon could be another one of the, of a similar type. Well, I mean, if tier is any sort of indicator that he had multiple sort of holdouts and we know like uh, Freya did too. We know that a lot of them had multiple locations that they sort of hung out at or had facilities spread out across the the surface of Azeroth. It's not without reason that Mimron possibly had multiple as well. Uh, and honestly, something like a giant conversion beam that transforms, because don't forget, that's what the, the main plan was. That was what uh, King Mechagon's plan was, was to use this giant beam to convert everybody into uh, mechanical versions of themselves. Uh if that is not a Mimron invention, I don't know what is. Like that just that just feels like something he would make. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for the reward-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. It's interesting that what Mechagon was attempting to do with that beam, that that giant world transforming beam he was trying to do, was what Gearmaster Mechazod did on a personal level. Mm-hmm. And that makes me wonder if the problem was that, you know, he couldn't focus it. Like he had to blanket blast the world because he couldn't get it focused on individual gnomes because he wasn't using it on his individual Mechagon followers, right? Mm-hmm. He didn't even use it on himself. So possibly it couldn't focus it, or he had to use the equivalent of a reorigination engine. Like maybe there's some kind of reorigination reorigination engine in Mechagon. Like the entire place might be for that purpose. Like if Mimiron was running experiments like the one he was running on goblins, and keep in mind that it's pretty interesting to me that Mechagon City is on an island, pretty much on the other side of the Maelstrom. Yeah, from Kazan, and we know that goblins exist because Mimiron was messing around with them. Um, 
And one of the things he did was expose him to Kegemite, which we still don't really know quite what Kegemite is. And we've talked before about how it might be Azerite, or it might be Azerite plus Saranite, or it might be something else entirely. But we we do know that when Mimron fed it to different creatures in the forest near Olduar, they turned into uh, goblins. (laughs) We know that for sure. And that makes me wonder if, if it's quite possible that Mechagon was part of a system that he built, some of which might have become Undermine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that that might have been where he, you know, he was digging up the Kegemite to use in his experiments, and Mechagon might have been the reset. Like when things had been affected by it, and he he got he's studying them, he might have needed a way to just reconvert the whole area really fast. Kind of the equivalent of. I was reading today uh, like a weird old novel I've, I've liked for years called The Wolf's Hour by Robert McCammon, in which there's this they're working with this uh, chemical, and they have these giant tanks that they can use at a moment's notice to flood the area with salt water because the chemical will explode when exposed to salt water, which will keep it from getting out. Mm-hmm. And I find myself wondering if this is that kind of thing, like if they were g- going to use the equivalent Mechagon City, which is of course is named after Mechagon. Uh, before that, it wasn't called Mechagon City, obviously. But yeah, probably some serialized a, name or something that yeah. uh, we can't find right now as well. Yeah, but if the place was originally built as as a kind of you know control, like if 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 it gets out, flood the area. Um, kind of like again, now I'm thinking about Mass Effect, where if you know if the thing in the in the cage starts to get out, you flood the cage with acid and it dies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, maybe that would have been like you know they'll just reformat everything if this starts spreading if they if it gets out. You know, because we know that they were experimenting on various things. We we know that in like Oldham, not Oldham. What is the name of that dungeon? Is Oldir in Oldir? Yep. They were experimenting with old god corruption because they had no idea how it worked. So they were just, you know, let's see what it does to this. It, it could have been similar. It might have even been, you know, we know that Kazan is not that far away from Zandalar, which is where the Aldir lab was. The old Mechagon might have been part of a big complex in much the same way that in Aldum, the Aldum complex and the Ankaraj con- complex were right next to each other. Yeah, and one thing to really also keep in consideration is look, when you're in Mechagon or you're going into Mechagon and you're looking around, like the island itself, obviously it's an island, but it looks like it was ripped off of something. Especially when you're going into the underside, yes, you're going through sort of the sewer system, but that doesn't just magically happen. That's a lot of discarded tech. That's a lot of, I don't even want to call it discarded tech because it looks like they're reclaiming it. They're going through the process of trying to reuse that stuff. Like that's one of the things you do while you're going through Mechagon is you encounter uh, the forge area where they're taking this garbage and compressing it down into usable materials for other things. So if they're doing that, maybe they're trying to reclaim bits and pieces that were ripped off of when the Mechagon system was pulled off of everything else. Well, also think about what we know is coming in war within. We know we're going to meet the earthen and a specific group of earthen who are in this um, ancient Titan facility. That's been there for who knows how long that goes down into the world itself. And I find myself wondering, is that un- like, is Mechagon another example of that kind of facility? I mean, we don't know. You're talking about them compressing, like they're not the thing about the gnomes and the mechanomes in Mechagon is they're almost like a cargo cult. They don't really know what they have. Like yeah. they figured out yeah, ways yeah. to use it, but they're not, you know, they're just compressing it down. It's like, that's not what you, that's not how you repair something. You don't you don't fix things by by doing that. It, it's just yeah. It, I, I it, like again, really- I, I keep coming back to the, like the 40k reference, but it reminds me a lot of like the Mechanicus and 40k, where they've sort of lost their standard templates for things, so they just kind of like guess the best they can. They they just may not be doing it the right way, but they're just trying whatever sticks. <laughs> That's sort of what well, they're I, doing almost. I mean, it's like the difference between you know actually having the instruction manual for something versus just kind of pushing buttons on it to see what they do. Um, there's a, there's a lot of that feeling to Mechagon. Like they, they've, they've reverse engineered some stuff, but a lot of it is beyond them, which is why they're doing stuff like just <laughs> crunching it down so they can use the materials, you know? And the one that we could possibly even tell them what, how to do that stuff or what to do with it 
is sort of excommunicado right now. Like we, I'm very surprised at this point. We haven't gone back up to see what's up with Mimron because we haven't, we just straight up haven't. Um, I was absolutely convinced that we were going to go to Alduar and see what in the heck fire happened. Uh, when we called on the aid of Alduar and Mimron said, no, I'm busy and hung up. We still haven't done that yet. Uh, and I thought we were going to go and confront, uh, Mr. Flameface there, uh, Odin, but we didn't. We actually confronted him in Valhalla. So, like, I'm really curious what Mimron's been up to all this time. Because you figure with the gnomes reuniting, the mecha gnomes sort of doing their thing, he has to know that his old workshop got reactivated. I can't imagine he doesn't at this point. The problem is, is that Mimron does not function fully anymore. Like, when he was killed... Uh, his his mechanomes, his true like the, the actual straight up robotic ones, rebuilt his body as best and showed they could. A, showed the yeah. essence into it, yeah. So he's he's kind of not all there, um, and that's to me is interesting too because uh, I, I don't I don't know what that says about what he is, and that's something I don't think we really have time for because this question was about whether or not they're going to get Nomrion back, and we have deviated well well past it, but. Uh, one of we the can just that, make this a gnome episode and keep going, man. I don't think anybody's going to complain. What one of the things that always keeps coming to mind for me about that is that, like, the Titan Forged, which includes the Keepers and the uh, the Watchers, um, mm-hmm. they are still Titan Forged. They're not Titans. They are, but they're just the most, for lack of a better word, they are the master control units for the Titan Forged as a whole. They're it's technically like, supposed to be the most evolved versions, right? Almost. Well, I mean. The, the leader, the leader yeah. version, the ones that are going to build, like they're going to maintain the group and build and create new the generals serves. Yeah. Generals, statesmen, leaders, whatever you, word you want to use. But with Mimron, like the curse of flesh, I don't know if it affects them. We've never heard of, of a keeper or a watcher being corrupted by it. Uh, but we do know that, that, that they are, they're still directly ancestral to us. Like they, they made the various, like the earthen and the gnomes, the mecha gnomes and the, the Vrykul and the Tolvir and the Mogu are all created by one of them. Like one of the Titan forged keepers, like was involved in the creation of these various, you know, for lack of a better word, smaller siblings and Mimiron's form died you know, everybody else, like even Odin just had his face melted. He didn't die, mm-hmm. you know, but Mimiron died. Where does a keeper's spirit go? Like, was he, was he going to go? Like, obviously Odin made a deal so he could look into the realms of the dead into the Shadowlands. Obviously Helia's spirit, Helia was a, a creation of Odin. Ultimately he called her his daughter, but she wasn't biologically his daughter. He doesn't have any biological children, but she went to the realm of the dead. In fact, he, he stopped her from getting there mm-hmm. and made her into a, into a Valkyr using the secrets he bartered for when he sacrificed his eye. And that keeps me wondering, like if that means that Odin could interface with the Shadowlands, which to me indicates that he could go there. You know what I'm saying? Like it's possible for a, even a Titan forged keeper to go to the Shadowlands that they are living beings even though they're not biological. But we also we also know that it is possible to contain spirits from going to the Shadowlands. Yeah, exactly. Uh, they can be sent back. I mean, that happens to us. That's what the whole deal with the spirit the spirit healer that we know, we've been interacting with since the beginning of, of WoW. Yeah, we don't we, go there. We, yeah. Yeah. We've made it canon that that our character is getting diverted back. And this has me thinking though like Mimiron dies and they they basically build a soul trap trap him and put him back in in a body they, they can't put him back in his original body for some reason um possibly the body doesn't exist anymore yeah possibly that's the case maybe whatever loken did to kill him kid like wiped him out maybe he was maybe that's why loken was i guess a little surprised it's like wait a minute why are you still here <laughs> i'm pretty sure i killed him um but it does make me wonder though like is, is it is it possible that like others, we, we know other beings had their souls splintered by the, by that experience. Sylvanas had a piece of her soul broken off. So did, uh, the most, one of the first pal Uther, Uther, when you know, we meet Uther in the Shadowlands, he's not complete. We have to go and find that piece of his soul that the, the, uh, the room blade tore off. Mm-hmm. It's possible, whatever. We know that Loken was working with an, an old God 
and we know that you know the the spirits of the Shadowlands were in contact with Helia. She's bartered with one of the jailer's minions directly, uh, Muzala, to to get the secrets that Odin used. It's possible that like the process that killed Mimiron did the same thing, and it might still be gone. We don't, and we don't even know where that spirit fragment would be. Like, is it is it one of the ones inside of you know Zoval's collection? Like, there could still be like a little piece of Mimiron out there in, in the land of the it, dead. It's also possible that what we see of Mimiron is actually all of Mimiron. He's just traumatized from the experience of it. Yeah, and but for that matter, he might even be fragmented within himself. Yeah, like, we've we've seen might, that. Might, we've seen plenty of evidence of that in, in entities around Azeroth. And the thing is, is that when they rebuilt him, they they basically he made the mechanomes. The again, and it's really confusing that we call the ones in in Mechagon also mechanomes because that's that's what they were calling the ones in Alduar. So it's like, wait a minute. But he made them, and then when he died, they they recreated him. So he is made in his own image, so to speak. Like I made them in my image, and then they made me in in my image <laughs> from them. And it's like, you know, what does that process do to you? Because he's fractal now. And I find myself wondering if we, we for a long time, we thought that Mimiron's response was possibly due to Odin's influence or something involving Odin and his plans for the, you know, the, for the Titanforge. That might still be the case. Uh, but we we saw in, in uh, recently that he hasn't gone back to Alduar. You know, he's still in the Halls of Valor. He's still using them as a home base so what if memoron for whatever reason when he hung up on us he wasn't hung, hanging up on us because of what odin might have been doing he hung up on us because he's working on something himself yeah. and he doesn't he didn't want to talk like he's like you know i don't have time for this click that what would he be doing what what is he doing that's that important to him that he wasn't even willing to hear out a fellow keeper and one that he has not heard from in millennia you know, like at the point when we're doing all this stuff, Rod Den is, is helping us. He isn't gone yet. Like he gets grabbed in the heart of the, the, the aspect chamber, like the heart chamber that we're using as our base. He gets grabbed by Nizoth's forces when they attack. That hasn't happened yet. When he, they call up Taldawar, he isn't even willing to listen to the guy. Like he doesn't listen to mother who is another keeper and you know between the two of them they should at least he should at least care enough to stop and and see who this is who's calling him but he doesn't do that so if it wasn't odin what's the deal what's going on here and you pointed out that he probably knows that his his base that is mechagon city is in use right you know, you you've just pointed that out that it's very likely that memoron knows oh, yeah. that it's in use maybe that's what's got him in a tizzy Mm, yeah, that's entirely possible. Because if he knows, like, if he created some kind of, you know, reorigination type ray that could could undo the curse of flesh, and he built it into Mechagon for some reason, and then Mechagon's active, you know, wh- what? I've always wondered this. Everything Mechagon was doing, King Mechagon, what about it would the Titan Forge disagree with? Like, why would it? It wouldn't bother them to turn all the curse of flesh beings on Azeroth into robots. That's what they should be, right? They should all be, you know, like either mechanical or, you know, rock and stone beings. That's what, that's what everyone's supposed to be. That's what the Mogu went and turned themselves back into. That's what the Tolvir, some of the Tolvir were doing that. Like, I, I don't know. I keep coming up to the idea that maybe it's not necessarily anybody else that we should be worrying about. It might be Mimiron. Like I, I can see him definitely thinking like that. That's not a bad idea. I mean, he's been like we've liked we've liked Mimiron every time we've dealt with him. But the very first time we really dealt with him, he was trying to murder us with a giant three-stage robot. You know? Yeah. And and yeah, he's like the fiend. I was corrupted by the fiend in the prison, but my mind is now clear. But you were, you know, I accept that 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 was what was happening. But he was not exactly like he he was doing pretty effective effective trying to murder me. It wasn't like he it wasn't like oh, I don't know what I'm doing. It was if anything he became mono focused on wiping us out. I think a Mimiron who's focused on a goal could be a great ally, but he could also be an incredible enemy if he's 
focused on a goal that you don't necessarily agree with, if that makes sense. And I, and I do wonder, like, what don't we know about what Mimiron is doing? Yeah. I mean, I don't really have anything else to add to that at this point. So, yeah. So anyway, if that answers your question, <laughs> I don't see how, but great. Um, <laughs> well, I will say that I do think that Nomergon, I think that, that Nomergon is effectively considered to be reclaimed because Sycothermaplug died in a story. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gelb, Gelbin, I'm saying Gelbin, it's Gelbin. His name is Gelbin, not Geblin, Gelbin. Gelbin effectively killed him. He locked him in a room where he couldn't get out and his you know, own machinery was going to kill him. Uh, and And so... He's gone. Uh, the the bottom areas of of Nomergon are effectively radioactive death traps. Over the the for all we know, so the, there was a three year gap, right? Or is it five years? I can never remember if it was five, five, five. I think over the over the years of the gap, um, it's quite possible that you know Gelbin and the Mechanomes, you know, connected up. Between, you know, Mechagon and Nomergon. It's quite possible they were always supposed to be connected up. And they've gone in and de- decontaminated the place, or they're in the process of doing so. Um, we don't know. Uh, no, it hasn't really been part of the story yet. Uh, I, I kind of hope they do touch on what they've been doing over this time period. There's a lot of that in this expansion. Like, for instance, we know that Anduin's going to pop up in the War Within. Yes. But that means that Anduin has been wandering around Azeroth for like between three to five years doing his his whole, you know, soul searching thing. Yeah. Yeah, and and he's just left, you know, he left Stormwind in the hands of other people mm-hmm. for like years. It's it's interesting. Uh, it's kind of a callback to his dad, honestly. So yeah, I don't know. That, that's not related, but I do I do want to know uh, what what Gelbin's been up to, what the gnomes and Mecha gnomes are up to, and if they've like. There's got to be more secrets to Mechagon that we haven't heard yet. Like Joe pointed out that they have all that technology in in their. Uh, in what they've been using as kind of a trash dump sewer system, but we don't know that that's what its original purpose was. No, so. we know that they're, they're able to capable of making rather, rather effective murder bots until we come along. Uh, at least from what we, our first impression is plus whatever that else they're building. There's a lot of stuff going on down there that we, we haven't really dug into yet. So, but yeah, I, I would not be upset if we went and visited the, uh, the gnomes a little bit more. Me, me not as a main story, I don't know that there's enough there uh, right now. Oh, yeah, man. Let me tell you sometime about my idea for an entirely gnome expansion. All right. You know, you hear it here first, folks. If you want to hear this, the, the the pitch for an all-gnome expansion, let us know. Maybe we'll make it happen. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. But we're going to move on to our next question. Uh, This one comes from Hortegeist. Uh, I was listening to the All About the World Trees episode, and I got to thinking. It was mentioned in Dragonflight that ley lines could potentially be viewed as a network of order that formed a cocoon or prison for the world soul. The discussion turned to how deep and wide the roots of the world trees go, potentially protecting the soul. Old gods seem to do the same, burrowing far and wide. Put your tinfoil hats on. Do you think that perhaps each cosmic force is attempting to incubate the world soul and infuse it in a cocoon of their making? And that there are other similar examples to support this from the other cosmic forces, light, chaos, death, etc. I I don't know about the whole every cosmic force is trying to infect Azeroth. I think Azeroth is a culmination of all the cosmic forces. And I've talked about this before. 
and and this is something that every time I look at different parts of the game world and and everything else, it it just seems to fit thematically. Fellwood's a really good example. Fell's supposed to destroy everything it touches, right? At least that's what we're taught. Fellwood didn't destroy it, mutated, changed. It, it, it became something different. The creatures therein didn't necessarily die. They became mutated. Were they basically the wow version of a Fallout super mutant? Pro- yeah, in some cases, those bears still, I remember them eating my faces. But it didn't destroy, it didn't eat a hole down to the center of the world. And in some of those cases, it it seems to recover as well. We know that the shadow touches it because we've dealt with it. We have entire classes of people that deal with the shadows, and uh, we talk about fell as the chaos. We know that we have all the the ability to touch and manipulate the arcane, the force of life. We literally just had an entire uh, event, an entire tier of dealing with. Uh, touching the Emerald Dream and its connections to the Shadowlands. Uh, we had an entire expansion of how that touched back from the Shadowlands out to our world as well. We know that the light touches it. We, we've gone to different stages of the, the Shadowlands. We've heard from the Ethereals, and we've heard from... Uh, why can't I think of the Ethereal Cousins from Shadowlands? Brokers. Uh, we've heard from the Brokers that there are multiple ways... In and out of everywhere, literally everywhere. And Azeroth seems to just be at the center of it all. I talk about in the past where like we can wield all those forces, and I don't think that's a mistake. I think Matt brought this up maybe last week, might have been the week before. There's a possibility that this was always part of the first one's intentions to harness all of these disparate forces or to create these pockets of of whatever, whether it's life, light uh elemental powers etc and then distill them into these perfect forms and then have them feed back into the central uh sort of universe that they want into a central point to create something that's greater than the uh some uh, greater than the individual components right, right so it's possible that it's not necessarily an infection it's also po- not possible that it, it's possible that it's not necessarily these forces trying to protect or cocoon it, they might just be or just are. So I don't know. What do you think, Matt? I'm like, um, for a second, I'm going to like put aside my own personal ideas and think about the question that's being asked, which is kind of unusual for me because usually my own personal ideas completely push it away. The question is about, do I think that other cosmic forces are attempting to incubate the world soul? Um, I'm going to put it this way. I think that your definition of incubate has to be flexible here. I definitely think that the old gods are, were attempting to corrupt the uh, the world soul into some kind of void being. Um, we know that at least on some one other world, a uh, world soul was turned into a void being, or was in the process of turning into a void being when Sargeras killed it. Uh, but I don't know if I, I don't know if I count that as incubation as such. It's that's more of a straight up parasitic inv- inv- invasion. That that's kind of what they talk about them being necrophotic parasitic entities they're light eating uh parasites from the void i don't i think that to a certain degree light and life are very similar and and closely tied together i don't know if they're i would say they were allied just so much as they often have things in common i don't think that the light is attempting to incubate it i think it is attempting to illuminate it because that's light's nature and I think we have to keep that in mind when we talk about these cosmic forces. Uh, if you want to talk about it from the perspective Joe had link- mentioned before, where all these forces interplay on Azeroth, they interplay as according to their natures. So when Fel hits Azeroth, uh, Fel infests it in a way and makes change. It causes the mutations what we see in Felwood. Um, when the Void arrives, it brings with it the thousand truths it brings with it the uncertainty that is the the void's true nature the void is all about you don't know doubt um potential these are things that the void embodies and it is inherently obscuring by its nature and so when it interplays over azeroth it attempts to do just that it attempts to bring out you know confusion and other possibilities that that is that is its nature there are a thousand truths and they're all true in some way. The light attempts to illuminate. It attempts to 
illustrate. It, it's literally trying to show you what you are. The void's all about what you might be, what you could be, what might be. The light's all about, no, this is what is. Right now, right here, as I'm shining on you, this is what you, you know, and it's very much the, the idea of, you know, kind of like Schrodinger cat's ideas. Until you open the box, the cat is dead and alive. Until you collapse the waveform, you have no idea what the, the cat in the box actually is. Obviously, in real terms, the cat is either dead or alive. That's that's how life works up here on our observable level. But on a different level, you can have moments that only exist when they are discovered. And I think that that's the, the whole conflict between the light and the void is going to ultimately come down to that. That idea of like the void wants the million possibles. The light wants one actual. Like, I don't care how many possibles there are. What do we actually have? It's that, that interplay between the actual and the possible that allows beings from Azeroth to do what other beings think is impossible. Like when we defeat, um, oh, bloody heck, space guy. Come on, Matt. Algalon. When we defeat Algalon, we defeat Algalon be, despite all the numbers he crunches, despite how orderly and, and perfect he is. And he calls himself perfect. And I think that that's on purpose because the perfection he's talking about isn't the perfection that most people think of when they think of the word perfect. Mm-hmm. When you hear someone say, you know, oh, he's so perfect. He, they're saying he's without flaw, but perfect doesn't mean flawless. Perfect means done. Like perfect is the final product. It, that's why um, the, the, the plu perfect is about, you know, this perfect moment because the moment's done. And thus it is perfect. There's no more moment of it to have, but we defy that by our nature, by the interplay of these things that have, have stirred and directed and driven us. We can do things that they don't understand because we don't understand that we can't do them. You know, we have that bit of the void in us where we can think about potential and possibilities and things that seem insane that that can't possibly happen, but there's a small outside chance it might happen, and that's enough for us to try it. All this stuff, I think, interplays. So do I think they're all attempting to build cocoons around the world soul? I don't think they are actually, but I do think they are metaphorically, each in their own way, attempting to influence it. And I think that it's interesting that the world trees and the life force um, are seen as the exact opposite of the Shadowlands and the Death Force, but those two things are so intertwined that they don't view each other as opposites. Mm-hmm. The way that Fell and Order seem to, the way that Light and and the Void seem to, Life and Death do not see themselves as opposites. They see themselves as siblings. When when the Winter Queen and Elune interact, they interact as kin. They understand that the each is part of the other, that without each other, they are diminished, possibly non-existent. And I think that that's actually what Azeroth is supposed to be for and for everything. You can't have shadow if you don't have light, then everything is just nothing. And the void isn't nothing for all that they act like they are. The void is possibility. You can't have possibility if you don't have something to compare it to. You have to know where you are to know where you could go. You have to know where you could go to make where you are worth being. And that's all of these things. The void, you know, the, the reason that Illidan could learn the fell and use it so effectively was because it's not that different from magic, from arcane orderly magic. It's not this complete violation. In real science, entropy is both order and chaos. Because entropy will ultimately is the ultimate order can lead to the ultimate chaos and vice versa. They're continuums. And all of these forces are like that to each other. They all interact. They all interplay. So yeah, they're all attempting to influence it. Not necessarily to protect it. Not necessarily to destroy it. But to become part of it in in a way that allows for all these elements to exist simultaneously and inform each other. So I think your question is interesting. And I think it has a lot to do with Joe's answer. It's just, again, and I, I, I hate to quote Obi-Wan Kenobi here, but it's all true from a certain point of view. Like if, if you stop and look at it from the perspective, that's one of the reasons I always thought the, the, the Shadowlands 
uh, book was so interesting was because it took the 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 schematic of the relationship between the cosmic forces and it literally just flipped it on its other side mm-hmm. and presented it exactly inverted. You could do that from any direction because it's not a flat thing. It's a it's a flat drawing of an ob- of a of an extra dimensional concept. So you could twist it and bend it in all sorts of different ways and show different relationships because each of these forces butts upon each other. And the place where they do that is the place where, where Azeroth is. It's this plane of existence. Yeah. Where, and, you know, and looking at the different cosmology charts, that's sort of the one thing that they all sort of agree on. Yeah. And therefore I think that the world trees roots are part it's, all of this stuff we we're saying it's it's sort of metaphorical because but it's made real because this is a fantasy story and fantasy stories use metaphors more directly mm-hmm. um so yes your question is basically accurate but so is joe's answer to it where he says they're not it's not necessary that they're all trying to infect it cuz infection is is not the way they all work some of them do but some of them don't um, it's very obvious that there's a de- there's a death engine in what is now Northrend that brings death energy into Azeroth, mm-hmm. which is, and we know we're going to find another such place. I, I honestly find myself keep wondering if the path to Zareth Ordos, which we know exists, we know this is Zareth Ordos, um, because it gets mentioned in one of the uh, Titan documents someone's writing to or from Odin, and it mentions that we don't want to tell the mortals about Zareth Ordos. I think that that might be where we're going in the war within. I think that the war within that pathway is a pathway from one of the Zareths to the heart of Azeroth, just like I think Mechagon might be a pathway to the heart of Azeroth. Just like I think the halls of origination uh, down in, in Uldum are a pathway to the heart of Azeroth. I think they had multiple pathways because they were attempting to rebuild it after the destruction that was caused when they ripped um, Yashraj out. Mm-hmm. When, when, when Yashraj was pulled out of the planet, I think that that destruction, they were attempting to heal it. So that's why they built all these facilities. But I also think they built those facilities. I don't know that, let me put this way, I don't know that the Titans actually built those facilities. They might, they, yeah, they might be first one facilities. They might not be Titan yeah. facilities. It's quite possible that the Titans simply made use of them, found them, realized this something going on maybe that's why they didn't Ooh, want to try oh. and destroy the world in the first place go ahead joe so if if the titan going off your thought there and this is just something i am i am so curious to see if you're going to go where i was just about to go if they built the facilities and they built them for specific purposes if the titans did this why did they build one on top of the well of eternity why did they put it next to it why didn't they cap it like they did so many other things supposedly well here's an interesting question why did the old gods pick the places they went mm-hmm. why was yashraj where yashraj was like it seems like yashraj had a direct line down to the essence of the planet itself if ripping him out caused a huge fountain of of the planet's you know azurite to come boiling out of it right yeah now i've been thinking about this for about 25 seconds so <laughs> it may not be the best might not be fully cooked yet yeah but if if the titans came to to azeroth and saw these first one somethings that might be why they decided to do what sargeras didn't decide to do when he found that world in the void that had been you know partially corrupted Mm -hmm. he he didn't maybe he didn't see anything that that said to him this place is important like you know, like the way the Titans did. The Titans knew Azeroth was important. They said it to Sargeras. Yeah, and how did they? How did they know that? Right. Yeah. What was it about Azeroth that told them that it was important? Was it because and, it was the only one that had those facilities on it? Yeah, we we don't know. Was it the size of and, the of the world soul? Was it you know? Who and knows somebody's why? and somebody's going to mention that Argus existed, but we don't really know that Argus existed prior to. Uh, the the engine or the facility on Argus existed as a Titan or first one facility that could have been made later. Yeah, and even if it wasn't, I'm not saying we. we well, it's a widely different it. structure than the rest of them. That's all. Uh, it's yeah. like, for that matter, I mean, Sargus might have found it and then made changes to it after he'd gone all felly. Or it could have been a ship that he just uh, decided to drill into the face of the planet, mimicking the yeah. old gods. 
But let's assume for a moment that Argus was similar to Azeroth like for a moment. Let's assume that. Let's assume that there were others. The difference is those other ones either have fallen already or are falling. Now, it's possible that those worlds were intended to be... You know, the, the first ones build things fractally. They, they build yeah. things and they build other things that are like predecessors to or channels for. Just as there had the various Zareths that they seem to exist throughout the cosmos to bring other planes of existence into Azeroth, they might have had worlds that they built to channel power effectively to, to create for right. Azeroth an army. Cause we know Azeroth is, is essentially possibly a, an entity that is intended to protect existence. And we know that. Wait, he, wait, wait. Go ahead. Go ahead. Let's see. Come on. I want to see it. What if the first ones couldn't make the planets where they wanted them to go? What if they shot them into existence like other things we see trying to go into this reality? Well, I mean, think about this. That is where the Titans come from in the first place, right? That is, we know that. That's the Titans' origin. Yeah. Spark of existence is shot into our creation. But we also know that there are other worlds that don't have Titan souls. Right. But what I'm saying, like, we know that. But also, why? Why if they're creating a network of worlds to channel energy, what if it's just happenstance that Azeroth happens to be at the perfect astrological location in the cosmos? Yeah. Or what if... This is all happenstance because all they could do was the initiating event. Yeah. Because they weren't going to be around for the rest of it. And they didn't know what it was going to be. Like they had to try something like we, we keep forgetting. This might be a big giant cosmic hail Mary, like, which would make sense or- too. Cause like, look at, look at worlds. Like look, look at worlds like Draenor, right? Mm-hmm. What, 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 what is the world of Draenor really known for? Let's go to old Draenor. What did it have in abundance? Spirit. What do we know spirit is now? Basically anima. What does anima do? It it brings things to life. It's an energy source. Yeah. There was nothing to sop it up. And what happened? Life ran into a chaotic, wild mess that threatened to consume the entire planet. Why does it have so much anima? Why does it have so much spirit? Why does life do that? Is it is it something because it's so close? Like I, I keep getting on this it, positional it, thing, right? You go, yeah, and, and I think we're thinking the same thing. So I'm going to say the thing I'm thinking. Yeah. What if you can't? If you have a world that has so much life and doesn't have anything to counterbalance it, it doesn't have any anything like void or fell or death magic. The world goes crazy. It spins out of kilter, and we see that with. That Brandle. yeah, we see that with Zoroth. These are worlds. Becomes, these yeah. are worlds out of balance, where Azeroth and, is just happens to be smack dab in the center. And going back to the the root of the question, maybe it's not infection. Maybe they're just trying to pull it closer to that edge. Yeah, like if each of them has a if each of them has a foothold on Azeroth, it's attention knot. Yeah, it's just a part of the nature of them. For that matter, think about. We talk, we're just talking about Argus and, and how it existed. It's quite possible that every world that was seeded out into the cosmos basically carries in it the program to create a being that is as connected to everything as possible. Like it's it's in it's a cosmic DNA that that they want to be everything. They want to connect everywhere. They want to learn everything in order to create that that entity that is enough to protect existence and what if that's what the constellars are mm-hmm. it's failed attempts they didn't quite make it they weren't in the right place they didn't have the right connection but they achieved a level of of it of intelligence and that's the thing is like the titans go around commanding constellars like it's nothing but the constellars don't have to obey them yeah i was gonna say what if the constellars are, are the titan equivalent of the nathrazine yeah they might be. They, but what if they not have their Titan? marching orders, right? Yeah, but maybe their marching orders don't come from the Titans. Yeah, they come from the first ones. Yeah, and that's something I keep thinking about is like, what if the Constellars and the fact that the Constellar Algalon was fully all in on the Titan stuff, maybe that's a result of, of what forces they're exposed to. You've talked about that before. Mm-hmm. That there's entities, like maybe the Titans themselves are like that. Maybe what the Titans are is similar to they're, they're like, if you take a world soul and you expose it to the, the cosmic well, energy yeah, of like, infinity, 
you you get a Titan, but then you have the same kind of entity in the Shadowlands that isn't been injected into our world, and they're the Eternals. Yeah, because like is going off that whole tension thing. Like we talked about this when we talked about the Titans. This idea of the Titans maybe not necessarily are are all order because they all seem to have a very specific leaning. Yeah, and the fact that so many of them hew to order might just be because that's what Al, what um not Algalon, sorry, uh, Amon, Amon Thule is into, and he might be imposing. Well, no, it. you not, said it. No, no, not Amon Thule. Norganon. Well, Norganon might be. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Norganon might, in fact, be the one who's imposing it, or not even imposing it, just leaking it. You know, because the magic that he gives is order magic. And we, well, and order magic is akin to domination magic, and we know that domination magic has a sort of uh, radius effect almost. It is, yeah, and like, it affects will. Yeah, look at because look at look at the helm of domination. Look at look at the uh, the helm of the Lich King. Look at all of these these things that we've seen with with how that magic actually works. The Lich King's helm allowed him to command the forces of undead in a region. And like a large region, and it was Pretty just much all over Azeroth. Yeah. And if we go back to the books, we go back to um, the Sylvanas book, which I, I I think helps inform us as well. The longer they're away from it, the weaker the hold gets. So there's a proximity effect. Well, if that magic is born from order, and that magic is born possibly from Norganon, the idea that you're posing that maybe Norganon just radiates this that makes a certain amount of sense to me. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Yeah, and 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 hold on, and and if these essences of the if the titans are born from essences from these core regions that are hurtled into our existence, like Anar hailing from the domain of life potentially and being flung into our existence, definitely skews closer to life because maybe they wasn't able to be thrown far enough, uh, or or whatever the case is. I don't know how cosmic darts work, um, but like for that matter, we don't know if they're playing darts or if they're playing pickup sticks. Right, but they also can be affected by the other things that are around them, just not as much because they're still closer to their home, their home existence, their home plane, their home energy, or whatever the case is. Right? Maybe there's an essence of that. But maybe they skew that way specifically because of that. But we've also seen that they all can do magic. They all sort of have, uh, they can all vibe with each other for lack of a better term. Um, they have interactions. They have sort of these relationships with cosmic entities. Hi, A&R and, and Alun. Um, they are not alien to each other, 
but they have sort of that that predilection. Azeroth may be that perfect cosmic nougaty center of the universe that is perfectly be, balanced. To use your web analogy, it might be the only place where everything managed to connect. Yeah. Like, or yep. even if it managed to hit, like if the cosmos has a point, like if you think, what about if Azeroth it, is the origin point where everything bursts into re- bursts into existence from the, the, that universe where the first ones basically pierce the veil. That's one possibility. And it in fact ties into the thing I was going to say, which is like, think of a mirror. If you throw a BB at a mirror, you make a crack mm-hmm. and will spider web out and radiate from that center. That's a two-dimensional representation, mm-hmm. but it's similar to the two-dimensional two representation of a black hole is something falling into a rubber sheet and deforming it, and the rubber sheet gets deformed around it. What if you start with the first ones doing their, their mojo, and that's the, the, the ball bearing hitting the mirror, cracking everything, mm-hmm. and then when that creates a space that is deformed by the after effect of that creation, which leads Azeroth to come into existence in that spot. And all the other world souls and stuff that exist in the cosmos are like Lagrange point eddies. Yeah. Like the way that the solar system and earth formed is that a huge ball of gas and, and primordial forces from multiple supernova explosions came together cooled and formed itself into a site center but a lot of the material didn't go into it because it was too far out to spinning and it formed into planets and asteroids and dwarf planets and all and like jupiter which is a failed sun and the reason jupiter is a failed sun is that saturn uranus and neptune exist and they all drained out some of the matter. You know, you need all that stuff to come together to make another sun. Maybe the various other worlds with world souls in them are effectively the ones that collected enough stuff to be almost, but yeah. not quite. And here's another thing, you know, another thing that a uh, food for thought, and maybe this is another wild tangent we can go down later, later on. We've made a lot of assumptions collectively in the lore community and, and not just us, but I've, I've heard other people do this where we talk about the first ones as entities that only existed in the Shadowlands. Oh yeah, I don't think that that's true. At all. Right, but I mean, like, I'm, I'm wondering if that's woefully inadequate at this point. I'm wondering if each of these regions of existence that uh, that are out there—life, oh. arcane, shadow, fell—if there were first ones of each of these entities. Oh, I know. Oh, dude, you just made that happen. Hold on. Hold uh-huh. on. Hold on. <laughs> um, forget. Forget. The idea that they, these the, pretend for a moment that those forces didn't exist as we understand them. Yep. What if the first ones? What if they're working? They were working backwards. They knew that that devouring force existed, and everything that currently is is as a way to move towards an existence that could stop them in the first place. They're the first ones because they're the first ones to realize that their reality couldn't be saved. They're the first that ones the to gain conscious thought of mort- mortality, essentially. Or whatever their existence was, which we don't know, it wasn't going to survive. It mm-hmm. couldn't. But in order for something to survive, it's it's kind of like the the I'm I'm using the story from Diablo. If you were if you guys really want a long discussion of capitalism, we can do that. Uh, but for another time. time. Yeah. Yeah. But essentially, imagine the original Anu, who in Diablo looks at himself and says, "I want to be perfect." Mm-hmm. And rips away everything that makes him not perfect and casts it aside. That's the story we're told. But what if it's in reverse? Who told us that story? Yeah. What are they trying to get us to think? What if the first ones looked at their existence, realized it's flawed? It couldn't. Yeah. And those realms of existence we've been talking about, like the realm of death, what if the realm of death is where they died? And so that's why it's the realm of death. The realm of life is where they lived. And that's why it's the realm of life. And every other realm is where they had some other portion of what they were going to do to make existence happen. Like when they realized everything had to change, that's what creates the realm of of chaos, the fell realm, uh, the twisting nether. It's created with them realizing in order for this to happen, everything has to change. The realm of order of the arcane magic, that's created when they realize, look, everything has to have rules. Even if those rules get broken, they have to exist in rules to stop the devourer. We can't have a ruleless cosmos and so forth. Life is, you know, life and death are the same. Order and chaos are the same. 
um, light and darkness are the same. These things are all the same. And the poles of them, when you go from the furthest possible one extreme to the furthest other extreme, are those planes. And Azeroth is the place where all those planes come to their exact midpoint. And the reason that it is, is because that's, there's like a palimpsest to it. Like the entire primordial existence before it is gone. The first ones are gone. Like they're so gone that so that, that Zoval didn't even know what they were. Like nobody knows what the first ones were. You know, none of the places we've come to that have said you know, like the sepulchre are the first ones. We go there and there's nothing in it that would imply and, anything ever lived there or anything living had ever had anything to do there. And for those of you listening, uh, the word that Matt used, palimpsest. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, no. Uh, It's sort of an important one that I don't know that a lot of people know out of pocket. Uh, It's when something gets reused or altered, but still has visible traces of its earlier form, an imperfect representation or so like in to put it in in simpler terms, if you were to take like an 80s cassette tape and try to record over it, sometimes you would get ghosting or double like recordings of what was there beforehand. Uh, it's sort of like that. While it may be a new recording on top of it, there's still artifacts of what existed before you you re-recorded it. Yeah, like the term. The re- I, I first discovered the term when I was reading about Renaissance paintings. Yes, because a lot of times they would actually use, they would paint over stuff that was just laying around, and you could see the the they accidentally make a painting over and over painting. Yeah, and, and you, you could see the traces of that original art. In the case of what we're talking about here. Um, the, the palimpsest would literally be our existence. Yeah, the universe itself, all existence, and, and the original thing would be whatever the first ones had. That obviously they had to have a place that they were. They had to have an existence of some kind to create our existence, which is kind of like turtles all the way down. But still, I, I I just find like there's this weird idea here that I'm like I said, I, we, we I've been coming up with this while I'm talking to Joe, so a lot of this is not formed yet. But I feel like there's this. It's the interplay that's everything. It's the interplay between these forces. If you just had void, you have nothing. If you just have life, you have nothing. Like, look what happens. This world has so much life energy that it's about to kill itself. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, Draenor would have died because it didn't have anything imposing order on the chaos of -of out-of-control life. Yeah. And, And these things all need to interplay for there to be a world where this thing can happen. There's a reason it's the final Titan because it's going to be the one that actually has connections to everything. But we are sort of over time here, folks, and it is late. So we're going to call it there. If you want to hear us talk more about the palimpsest that is the universe and all of existence, you'll let us know. But Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash Blizzard Watch. Your continued support means that this podcast and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to podcasts, better chance of having your question answered on our podcast or the queue and an ads free site experience. Thank you for everybody who sent in uh, questions. We are still working our way through them. As you can see, we're averaging about two per episode here, uh, but keep sending those in and you can send those into podcast at blizzardwatch.com. Specify the show that it is for and any special pronunciation of your name. You can us up on discord in our Q and podcast questions channel. Uh, and if you are a Patreon supporter, the Patreon Q and podcast channel. Uh, Thank you for your continued support. We'll see you next week.